0: The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. I've been coming to Crosspoint for a little bit of a while, but I'm going to go ahead and get the verse in here for you guys. they got the Bibles that are around, around you, under your chairs or something like that. You can turn to page 919. We're going to get into the, uh, get into Acts 14 and start in 8. But while you guys are getting there, yeah, so I've been coming to Crosspoint, I don't know. 15, 16 years or something like that. Since the beginning, uh, my wife, Volan, told me that, hey, we should, we should help out this church that's coming to the valley. And uh, we were commuting to the church, and so it was kind of exciting to see Steve come, come to the valley and come to church. So we've been ever since, and now they can't get rid of me. So it's pretty exciting. But all right, are you guys ready? Are we there? So here we go. This is uh, Paul and Barnabas in in, uh, Lystra. It says, while they were there at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached. Looking straight at him, Paul realized he had faith to be healed. So Paul called to him in a loud voice, stand up, and the man jumped to his feet and started walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in their local dialect, these men are gods in human form. They decided Barnabas was a Greek god Zeus and that Paul was Hermes since he was the chief speaker. Now the temple of Zeus was located just outside the town. So the priest of the temple and the crowd brought bulls and wreaths of flowers to the town gates and they prepared to offer them as sacrifices to the apostles. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard what was happening, they tore their clothing in dismay and ran out among the people shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Amen. And I want to welcome up a good buddy of mine, Mr. Justin. Director of the youth here at Cross Point Church. Uh, let's, get, let's get those Bibles and let's get into the Word.
1: Amen, brother. Thank you, Rod. Um, if you guys don't know, Well, some of you do. Rod is a very special friend to me. He will always hold a very special place in my heart. He was my first co-leader when I got into student ministry like eight years ago, and so everything I learned about leading student small groups was from that gentleman right there. So thank you, Rod. Can you guys just give it up for Rod for reading scripture for us this morning? Rod, like, he's not kidding. We really can't get rid of him. He is just, he's always doing something around here. So, um, for those of you that don't know me, again, my name is Justin, I'm the student ministry director here for our high school and middle school students. It's awesome to have you guys with us this morning, glad you guys could join us. Um, so before we hop into this week, um, last week we kind of took a break from the book of Acts and we Steve did a fantastic job kind of casting our vision for 2022, what that's going to look like for us, uh, and it was incredible. One thing before we start, I want to let you guys know, in your programs, you're going to have a response card in there, we need everybody to fill that out. If If you have not filled that out, please do that today and turn that in at the end of services. Our blue buckets are going to be coming through. We'd love to get those back from you guys. So please, please do that. That would be incredible. We would appreciate that. Um, So it's been a couple weeks since we've been in Acts. What I'd like to kind of do is get our bearings back real quick, kind of get our brains focused on Acts, kind of a reminder of where we're at, uh, what's going on in this story, where where Paul and Barnabas are at, what's going on. And so two weeks ago, uh, we talked about this, this whole idea that Paul and Barnabas are on their first missionary journey. They've, they've been traveling around. Two weeks ago, they were in a place called Iconium and it, it, they preached to some Jewish folk and, and tried to present the gospel and it didn't end very well. They, they had to leave because they were thre- uh, on the threatened verge of being stoned to death. So they, they left Iconium and they traveled about 20 miles to Lystra where we find ourselves now. And the thing about Lystra, the difference between Lystra and Iconium, is that this is a completely different people group. I mean, completely different. And we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that and, and what was so different about these people, these Lystrians, from the people in Iconium. And the first thing that we need to understand here um, is that there's something very particular about the Lystrians that makes them stand out. And, and the first thing that we see here in this passage is that they were very, very serious about their worship. But it wasn't a worship of Jesus. It was a worship of of Greek gods and goddesses. Uh, The the passage tells us that they actually had a temple dedicated to Zeus just outside of the town, which, which shows us they were very serious about their worship. And so this is the first thing we see about them. So Paul and Barnabas, they show up. They perform this incredible miracle. I mean, this guy has never walked in his entire life And here come these two strangers into their town and they say, stand up. And this man walks. And Paul and Barnabas are hoping that this miracle is going to show these Lystrians who God is and that they would worship him. But they don't. They they turn around and they start preparing sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas and say, these guys must be gods, we're gonna worship them. And Paul and Barnabas are like, what? (laughs) No, 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 no. No, this is getting out of control. Don't, Don't do this. And they have to squash this before it, before it gets too far out of control. And so we read this weird story and we're kind of like, what, what the heck? What is going on here? Why? Why would they worship Paul and Barnabas instead of seeing Jesus? And so at first glance, it can be kind of weird, very confusing. But I want to kind of continue our story here. I'm going to read uh, verse 16 for you guys and continue for us. Paul is saying again, In the past he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you food and joyful hearts. But even with these words, Paul and Barnabas could scarcely restrain the people from sacrificing to them, and so Paul and Barnabas, their 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 grand attempts to train, direct these people to God, didn't work for some weird reason. They couldn't shake this belief that Paul and Barnabas must be gods. And as far fetched as this story might seem to us, reading it in 2022, like wh- why do you think that they're gods? That's so weird. We have to understand who the Lystrians were and, and a little bit of history here. So at this time and, and these people that would worship Greek uh, mythology, it was common, it was common belief that gods would often appear in disguise in human form and that they would come and meddle in human affairs, right? So if anybody knows anything about Greek mythology, you'll know Hercules, Perseus, right? These sons of Zeus. The reason they were born is because Zeus was meddling around in human affairs. That's what was going on. And so this was common belief. This was was common in their culture. And then the second factor that we have here is that about 20 years before Paul and Barnabas show up in Lystra, there was a famous Roman poet named Ovid who, uh, he published this collective work called Metamorphosis. And in this collection, there was a story that Ovid wrote about the two Greek gods, Zeus and Hermes, who showed up to a town, disguised as humans, seeking hospitality wherever they could find it. And they didn't find it anywhere. Every single person that they approached turned them away, except for one elderly couple in this town. And Zeus and Hermes at this point proceeded to wipe out the entire town besides, except for the elderly couple, right? And so you combine these two factors, you've got this incredible urban legend that was written and this common belief that this was normal for the Greek gods to do this. These people might be a little bit on edge when two strangers walk into their town and perform this supernatural weird miracle Think that it's Zeus and Hermes. Of course, they think it's Zeus and Hermes. Who else are they going to think it is? This is is how they were raised. This is what they know. This is what they've been taught to know their whole life. And so, as far fetched as that might seem for us, we have to understand that for these people, that was very normal. And Paul and Barnabas start to figure out what's going on here, and, and they have to squash it. They have to stop this from happening because they want these people to see Jesus. And it can be easy for us, I think, to look at other people's beliefs in our lives and their traditions and ask that same question that Paul asked the Lystrians, why are you doing this, friends? We read this and we go, that's crazy. That's weird. But this is why it's important for us to understand the people that we're talking to. But... Honestly, CrossPoint, I think that you and I aren't much different from the Listerians sometimes here in our Western context in 2022. See, we have a lot of traditions and beliefs, and a vast variety of beliefs in the U.S. that sometimes don't line up with with what Scripture tells us about who God is. Right? I I, I think of examples like, as long as I'm a good person, as long as I do all the right things, as long as I follow all of God's commands. Surely that makes me right with God. Surely he must love me if I do all the right things, right? Or if I, if I come to church every Sunday, then, then surely that's enough. As long as I'm attending, as long as I'm giving, as long as I'm doing those things and performing these rituals, then surely that must be enough for God to love me. I was listening to a podcast a while ago, there was this pastor who... Um, He saw a gentleman during a worship service at their church and he was sitting in the front row and looked like the gentleman was having a hard time. So the pastor went and sat with him and started to ask him some questions and and just see how he was doing. And, And the pastor said he started to realize that he thought this man may have never heard the gospel of Jesus before. And so he asked the man, he says, when did you give your life over to Christ? When did you surrender to Jesus? And the man answered the pastor. He said, well, I was born in San Antonio and the pastor almost laughed until he saw that the man had a straight face. This, this man thought that because of where he was born, that that made him right with God. For us, we, some of us drive on the 15 North and you've seen that sign over by the car dealerships. It says, in God we trust, right? Anyone seen that sign right there? In God we trust. It's printed all over our currency, right? It's this awesome catchphrase that we have in America something that's really fun and great to say and I think it's just, it's, it's powerful and it's got meaning behind it, but is there any true belief behind that for some of us or is it just something that we say? Paul writes in Romans 10, nine, he says, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It's not by saying some catchphrase that we have on our money. It's not by our attendance at church. It's not by our good deeds. There is nothing that you and I can do to make ourselves right with God. See, scripture makes it very clear for us that that it's not a behavior issue that we have. For the Lystrians here, it's it's not a behavior issue. We have a serious heart issue and the only way that we can solve that is through Jesus. And Paul and Barnabas are trying to help the Lystrians see that. And so the first question that I want to, want to uh, ask you guys, and it's the first point on your note sheet, you can write this down, is how far are you willing to go for people? How far are you willing to go for people that don't know Jesus? Uh, in 2014, I, I left for my first uh, active duty deployment when I was in the Navy, and uh, we were gone for about six months. And uh, about two weeks into our deployment, we were working late one night. It was probably like 10 or 11 p.m., and we were waiting around for s- something to happen, some, some, uh, some operation that we were doing. And so we were all stuck there, and there was this guy that God had put on my heart for a little while that I had been praying about. His name was Greg. And, and I had never really mustered up the courage to talk to Greg yet and, and and talk to him about Jesus. But I was like, okay, this is the best spot. We're, we're all, no one's going anywhere. This is, this is our time. So we're just sitting there. And so I said, Greg, I said, hey, just curious, what are your thoughts on Jesus and Christianity? It's kind of high phrases. Just, I just want to hear what your thoughts are. And Greg said uh, that he was an atheist, that he didn't believe in a higher being, that he didn't believe in the Christian church, that he didn't agree with it, and that actually he had developed his own religion. He called it Gregism. Mind you, this is the first and only time that I've met somebody that has used their first name as the basis for their own religion. So this was weird to me. This, I'd never talked to somebody like this before. I'd never been in that type of situation to navigate that kind of conversation. And so that was weird at first to me. I went, that's, that's weird, right? Just like this story with the Listeries. This is weird, I don't get this. Um, And over those next six months I got to spend, outside of our normal working hours, I got to spend about five hours every single day, specifically with Greg standing watch with him, every single day. And so I got to know Greg very well when he and I would be alone standing watch and and having conversations and got to learn a lot about him and about his beliefs, about why he had developed this religion in the first place because of the hurts that he and his family had experienced when they were growing up in the church the hypocrisy that they had seen and and all of these factors that led him to this point in his life to where, no, it's Gregism. And for me, not understanding that at first and and, and thinking that was so weird and different from what I believed until I finally understood who this man was that I had been talking to. And so what what I wanna tell you guys with that is we need to be very careful and not be so quick to write people off for what they believe in the way that they act. Does that make sense? We we are surrounded by so many people that come from so many different walks of life, that have so many different experiences than you and I have, that sometimes it's easy to think, that's really weird, and I don't get that. But see what happens when we do that? What happens when we're careful about that? Is that our thought process starts to change from that's crazy to, "No, no, I get it. I get why you believe that. That's, that's how you were raised. This is all you've known your whole life. Our thought process starts to change and, and we get a chance to get to know people. But honestly, it's, it's really hard sometimes to shake up people's traditions. And Paul and Barnabas show us how to respond when this, when this happens, when you run into people like this. I'm gonna reread a few verses here. It's verse 15 through 17. Paul says, friends, why are you doing this? We are merely human beings just like you. We have come to bring you the good news that you should turn from these worthless things and turn to the living God who made heaven and earth and everything in them. In the past, he permitted all the nations to go their own ways, but get this, this is the best part, but he never left them without evidence of himself and his goodness. For instance, he sends you rain and good crops and gives you joyful hearts. And so as I got to know Greg over those six months really well, there was one day I remember in particular. It was probably the most beautiful day I think I've ever seen. We were we were sailing near the Solomon Islands. It's a chain of islands northeast of Australia, and it's beautiful. It's magnificent, um, tropical, and and just. Absolutely, I I can't even explain it to you guys. But there was one day we were—he and I were standing, watching. We were up up high on the bridge wing, and so we're looking down, and we just passed through this big storm, and we saw this. I don't know if you've ever seen one before—a double rainbow. But there was this double rainbow on the surface of the ocean. It wasn't up in the sky. It was—we could see it just kind of overlapping the the swells, and it was beautiful. And so we're standing there, we're in awe of this, and and me. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, man, this is amazing. I'm seeing God in his glory and all of his creation. And this is incredible. And so we're, we're transitioning our watch stations. And finally, we go back to the back of the ship. And at one point, it's late afternoon. And, and Greg's standing there by the lifelines. And he's just looking out. And all of a sudden, he looks at me and he says, he says you know what, Justin? He says, sometimes I look out at the waves like this. And I look at all this stuff, and it really does make me wonder sometimes if there was a God that created all this. And I was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. This guy who had developed his own religion is seeing God's creation and is wondering and and curious and seeing that, just like the Lystrians here. And so this is the direction that Paul and Barnabas are going. They're trying to show these people who probably wouldn't understand a whole lot about Judaism in in the Old Testament and all these things, they're trying to appeal to them in something that they would hopefully understand and be able to recognize and see God through. And this is what happened with Greg. And I don't really know where Greg's at now. We had some good conversations after that. And he did tell me at one point, he said, you know what, he said, I've never met a Christian like you, Justin. And not to toot my own horn, but just, just how impactful that was just for me to be with him and to talk with him, to ask him questions, to let him ask questions about my faith and where I come from and what I believe. All of these things, including God's amazing and beautiful creation, led Greg to ask these questions and to wonder if there really was a God. And so sometimes you guys, reaching people for Jesus isn't gonna include sitting them down and opening up the Bible and going through the gospels with them. Some people that might work, that might be a really good technique and tactic for you. But different people are going to see Jesus in different ways. They're going to see Jesus in the way that you talk. They're going to see Jesus in the way that you act, in the way that you behave, in the way that you live your life. They're going to see Jesus in his creation and all of his glory and goodness. There's there's so many different ways that God, like Paul says here, has left evidence of himself and his goodness for us to see. I'm going to finish up this passage for us in verse 19. We're going to wrap this up. It says, Then some Jews arrived from Antioch in Iconium and won the crowds to their side. They stoned Paul and dragged him out of town, thinking he was dead. But as the believers gathered around him, he got up and went, and went back into the town. The next day he left with Barnabas for Derbe. As I was reading that, I was really bothered by this idea, by what's happening here, that, that Paul and Barnabas show up and they tried so hard, so hard to show these people who God was. They, sh- they performed this incredible miracle. Amazing. This guy had never walked. I mean, can you guys imagine someone that has never walked and you show up and then they walk? That's, I mean, you, I hope that you would see Jesus through that. And so they do this and then they explain who God is. They try and appeal to these people and love on them and show them God. And then all of a sudden these Jews come And like that, these people who were preparing sacrifices to worship Paul and Barnabas have just been swayed to the Jew side like that. I'm like, that's weird. How is that possible? They were just ready to give everything up for Paul and Barnabas, and now they're stoning them? Like, what's going on here? And so as we wrestled with this with some of our team and and threw around this question, we came to this realization that See, the Lystrians were really excited about the prospect of God's stuff and the messengers that came and performed these miracles for them. That was something that they wanted. They were on board with that. But as soon as Paul and Barnabas showed them who the one true God is and what that meant to worship him, they didn't want anything to do with that. And so this is why they were so easily swayed because they didn't want to worship God, they wanted God's stuff. That's all they wanted. That's all they cared about, and the second that they found out that that wasn't the case, they didn't want anything to do with it. And so the next question I have for you guys—it's the second point on your note sheet—is this: Do we worship the messengers, the miracle, or the Messiah? Why are we here? Why are we sitting here on a Sunday morning when we just had a, a one-hour <laughs> loss of sleep when we could be at home resting? Why are we here? Do we come here to worship the miracle? Do we come here to worship God's messengers or are we really here to worship the Messiah? If we're not careful like the Lystrians, you guys, we can just as easily be swayed to start worshiping those other factors, the miracles and the messenger, rather than God himself. Um, back in 2020, uh, does the name Ravi Zacharias ring a bell to anybody? Really prominent figure in, in Christianity and Christianity. Um, Fantastic author who wrote some great books. Um, there was one I th- uh, that I read a while ago. I forget what it was called, but it was kinda, it was like seeing Jesus from the east, I think, and it was it was incredible. Um, he is he was remarkable in his speaking, um, and I was listening to a podcast after he he passed away in 2020, uh, and after that happened, there were. A lot of allegations that came out about Ravi, and I don't need to dig into those details today, but for those of you that know, you know, but some of these allegations came to be true through an investigation about him, and it really hurt a lot of people, and broke down a lot of people, and people that had looked up to Ravi and supported him and listened to him and his teachings. I was listening to a podcast from Sean McDowell and his father, Josh they were on this podcast, and Josh was a really mentor for Ravi. Um, Josh would go to these conferences and speak, and he said that Ravi would always come up to the front row every single time, even if there wasn't a seat. He'd sit right in front of the stage as Josh was speaking, and after he'd be done, Ravi would come up and he'd ask him all these questions, Um, and so they were very close. Josh was a a big role model for Ravi back in the day, and uh, Sean and Josh are going through this podcast to really dig into some of these questions that people had about what had happened. And Josh, or Sean asked his dad, he says, his he says, dad, he says, what would you say to the people right now that are really having a hard time with this? People that just feel like their faith are being rocked because of all these things that have come up about Ravi. And Josh responded, he said, the first thing that those people need to know is that Ravi didn't save them. Jesus did. He said, this is a very good warning to be careful of where we place our faith. It can be so easy for us to start to worship God's messengers. When in reality, those messengers are supposed to direct our attention back to God. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that trap as well. And I'm so glad that Josh responded that way and that will, I will always remember that quote because man, what a good warning that is for us. Ravi didn't save you. Steve doesn't save you. Whoever's up on a stage is not saving you. Jesus saved you. And if you're not recognizing that, we have to do that. We have to be so careful. This can start to really manifest in our lives in a few ways when we start to worship God's messengers, right? We can start to gauge which church or place we want to attend based on how charismatic or influential a speaker is, right? How incredible the worship team is, like ours is, like they're awesome, right? And and all the great programs that we see at churches when really our gauge for where we should be is whether or not they're presenting the gospel of Jesus. I'm not saying those things are bad, Trust me, I'm not saying that it's bad to have a, a speaker that can connect with you and speak with you and, 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 and inspire you and lift you up and encourage you or worship that's just on fire and, and amazing and good programs. But if we're not careful, those things can start to take Jesus' place and those can become the foundation rather than God himself. And so from time to time, we need to check on this, you guys, because it's so easy after years that you can fall, slowly start to digress into this. And so I want to encourage you guys, Just check on that. Be aware of where you're at. Am I here to worship the messengers or am I here to worship the Messiah? And so the next part, um, actually before I get to that, if you guys have been with us for a while here at Crosspoint, like last week Steve shared with us, one of our core values here is that Jesus is central. This, This is something that we will cling to for eternity. Jesus is central and nothing else will ever take his place. Ever. He will always be our foundation and he's the final authority for what we do and what we say. And we want to make sure that you guys are aware of that too and that we are all on board with that together. And so the next part of that that we have to unpack that question, do we we worship the messengers, the miracle of the Messiah? So we're here to worship the miracles. See, this is a a remarkable miracle that God had performed through Paul and, and Barnabas. And it was meant to direct their attention back to God, to point to God, right? And so what we, what we can kind of see is this idea is that miracles are like signposts, right? And, and signposts, they don't point to themselves, right? Signs are not meant to be an end in themselves. Signs always point to something else. And that's what God's miracles are, the things that we see God do every single day, is that we're not here for God's stuff, we're here so that God's stuff would lead us to worship Him, not the things themselves. And that's what the Lystrians missed here big time, guys. They were so focused on the things that God was doing in front of them that they totally, missed what, they totally missed him. I want to go back to that point about the messengers. There's some scriptures that I want to share with you guys real quick. This idea of us worshiping the messengers. Jesus says in John 4.22, uh, to the woman at the well, if you remember this story, he says, You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews, but the time is coming. Indeed, it is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those that will worship him that way. Paul says something really great for us in Romans 12.1. He says, and so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. How do we worship God? We give our lives to him for all that he's done for us. To him, not the stuff. But we give our lives as a sacrifice to him because of all that, because he is so good. And he wants us to see him through everything that he gives us and undoes for us. The miracles are meant to direct our attention back to him. We have to be so careful about what our desire is. Why are we here? Are we here to worship the messengers, the miracle, or the Messiah? Paul and Barnabas were very serious about this as we see the way that they respond here. They weren't about to leave any room in this situation with the lystrians for them to think that they were okay with what was happening. It says that they tore their, their clothes in dismay. And if you guys don't know, back in the day, people would tear their robes and their clothes as like mourning, grief, anything that would really upset them, that they would let people know by tearing their clothes, I'm not okay with this. Paul and Barnabas could have easily just been like, okay, this is weird, we're gonna go, right? And and could have easily just left and let the Listerians stay and and do the things that they were doing, but they wanted to make sure that they knew that they weren't okay with this, that this is not what Jesus is about. They were serious about making sure that they were glorifying God and that they weren't leaving any wiggle room for this, this praise that they were receiving from these people. They didn't want that for themselves. They wanted these people to see Jesus. And then if dealing with that in itself wasn't enough, this weird praise that they're receiving and and the enemy who's kind of creeping in and trying to put Paul and Barnabas on this pedestal in front of the Lystrians, then the Jews come who had just threatened to stone them in Iconium who had traveled 20 miles as well to follow Paul and Barnabas. And then it says that there were other Jews who came from Antioch, which was almost 100 miles away from Lystra. So you have these Jews who traveled almost 100 miles on foot just to come and threaten and attack Paul and Barnabas again. I'm like, that's crazy. If, they, if we thought this was crazy, that the, the, the Lystrians were wanting to worship Paul and Barnabas, that's crazy that they were so dedicated to coming to attack and threaten them again. And it wasn't going to stop here, that's the thing. These types of threats and attacks are going to continue and continue to persist throughout the book of Acts. And it seems like it's just never going to stop Sometimes. And I read that and I look at these two situations here and I go, how do you deal with that, man? I don't know how Paul and Barnabas had the courage to continue doing and living out this mission that Jesus had given them because that's a lot to deal with. I've never experienced that level of persecution in my life where someone has been willing to follow me around just to attack me for what I believe in, for the things that I wanted to show other people, for wanting to show other people who Jesus was. I don't get that. And so I don't know how they were able to deal with this. And the Jews, they come and they sway these people to their side. And in their anger, they proceed to throw stones at Paul in an attempt to kill him. How do you deal with that? How do we deal with that? And so the last point that is on your note sheet, and you guys can fill this in, is this. There's two ways that we see Satan attacking Paul and Barnabas here and. and that can often happen in our lives, and the two ways are this, is overwhelming praise and relentless persecution. Satan will often, often attack us with overwhelming praise and relentless persecution. Sometimes at the same time, like, the, like Paul and Barnabas are experiencing here, sometimes it's back to back. Thomas Constable had a, a great quote about this story in particular. He said, if, if Satan cannot derail Christian witness, sorry, Christian witness with persecution, he will try praise. Too much persecution has destroyed many preachers and too much praise has ruined many others. I think that as Christians, as those of us that have given our lives to Christ, I think that oftentimes we expect persecution. We expect some level of opposition in our lives. We expect to be made fun of. We expect to get in dirty looks sometimes. I think that sometimes when we experience that, that we're ready to take a stand for our faith. We're ready to kind of push through that persecution and we're prepared for that because we hear about that a lot. But when it comes to this praise tactic that the enemy throws into the mix sometimes, I think that far too easily we can get blindsided by that. And then he starts to creep in with this pride where like Paul and Barnabas, he wants to put us on this pedestal and start whispering these things in our ears like, you don't need Jesus. Look at you. You're awesome. Everyone's listening to you. And that can feel good sometimes, right? I I think about Paul and Barnabas in this situation. They're preparing to sacrifice and worship them. I mean, they are so happy with Paul and Barnabas. And if we're not careful, we can fall into that same trap. And it's so easy to let that pride creep into our lives. Where When the enemy sees that persecution isn't working sometimes, he goes, okay, I'm not going to hurt you. I'm going to make you feel good about yourself. I'm going to make you feel like you don't need Jesus. I want everyone to look at you and I want you to be the main picture. And what happens then is that people just see us and they don't see Jesus. And the thing about praise too is that it can compromise this mission that Jesus has given us just as much as persecution can if we're not careful. And so we need to be careful, guys. The worship team's gonna start making their way up here in a second, but as people are coming up on stage and moving around, I want you guys to stay with me for just a minute. And I want you guys to climb in the story here with me for a second. As we wrap up this passage, I think about Paul standing here, about to be stoned. And I'm reminded of that moment not too long before this, before Paul encountered Jesus that Paul was actually standing on the other side of those stones as he oversaw Stephen's execution. You guys remember that story? That Paul was there witnessing that as an enemy of Jesus at that point, ready to cast those stones on an innocent Stephen. And so now here we have Paul standing here about to be stoned like Stephen, lying there on the floor, expecting to die like Stephen did. But the remarkable thing is that he doesn't. He stands up and he does something that you and I wouldn't expect someone who's been through as much as Paul has to do. He doesn't cower and flee and run and hide. He gets up and he goes right back into the town that had just tried to kill him. And I think about that and I go, how do you do that? See, this message about Jesus was so important to Paul. This mission was so worth it that it didn't matter what anybody else had to say or what they were gonna do to him. That he was gonna take every opportunity that he had to make sure that people knew about Jesus. And I think about that level of dedication in his heart. And that's what I want for us, Crosspoint. How far are we willing to go for people? How far are we willing to go for those people that have never heard about Jesus? that might make fun of us, that might hurt us from time to time, where it's going to be awkward and uncomfortable. Are we willing to step into that territory with people? I want to share a, a passage that Paul writes for us in Philippians chapter 3 with you guys. It's so powerful. He says this. He says, Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death so that one way or another, I can experience the resurrection from the dead. And as Paul's writing that, I can't help but think that that these times and these experiences that he had led him to write this. That as he's standing there, about to die, but he says, no, the mission's worth it. I'm going to go right back. It doesn't matter because I want them to see Jesus through me. And so if you're here today and maybe this is the first time that you're hearing about this character, Jesus, that we talk about every weekend, we come together and we celebrate the fact that 2,000 years ago, God loved his creation and the world so much That even though we had turned our backs on him time and time again, that he came in the name of Jesus, fully God and fully man, and experienced everything that you and I would experience, all of our weaknesses, all of our temptations, and lived a perfect and sinless life. And in doing that, they hung him on a cross. This innocent man who died a criminal's death on a cross. And not just that and the pain and and excruciating pain that he went through on that cross, but but he paid the ultimate, eternal payment for our sins so that you and I would never have to. And that's what we come together to celebrate. And as we're worshiping, we wanna invite you guys to the four corners of the room to join us in communion where we take that piece of bread and we drink that juice to remember that sacrifice that Jesus made for us. How far are you willing to go for people, Crosspoint? And why are you here? Are you here to worship the messengers? Are you here to worship God's miracles? Are you here to worship the Messiah who gave his life for us and who gave us so much so that we would see him? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for meeting with us here today, Lord. Lord, you're so good and we need you. Lord, I just ask that for those of us here that that know you and follow you, Lord, that you would just encourage us today. That as we go this week, that that when we encounter those people around us in our workplace, in our schools, wherever we're at, that we would be willing to step into those territories with them, Lord, regardless of what they believe or how they act sometimes. Lord, that through our words, by through our actions and through your creation, Lord, that we would be able to direct and point people back to you so that they would worship you. Lord. And that as we sit here today, Jesus right now in this moment as we sing songs about you and to you, that that worship would be about you, not about your stuff, not about the miracles, but that we would just sing with thankful hearts because of who you are. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for taking
0: the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.